0: Welcome to episode 323 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Salosi, and it's February, and you know what that means? We're gonna get spooky. Now, I definitely have my national and or traditional holidays mixed up, but we are getting spooky in February because this episode is going to be about the Dark Pictures Anthology, Little Hope, a 2020 horror, uh... Peter, is it fair to call it a horror puzzle adventure or a horror narrative adventure?
1: That is, yeah, that is absolutely fair.
0: Right, well, thank you very much, my co host Peter Treesenberg for clarifying that for me.
1: Yeah, yes, you're welcome. Hi, uh, uh, I, I'm Peter Triesenberg. Uh, uh, I have fury on the socials.
0: We do those at the end of the episode on Retro, Peter. You've only done how many of these? Like, nine? Yeah, I know. I I got into the
1: habit of doing the "I have fury on the boards" thing when we had forums. We oh did. right! And and and, uh, and and that is still sometimes a muscle memory that comes up.
0: <laughs> yeah, every time I speak to Rob Steinman in real life, I have to, I have expect him to say "Pale Robbie on the boards" right after he says his name.
1: Yeah, exactly. It just throws me off every time. <laughs>
0: But uh, Pale Robbie on the Boards is not with us today, but um, a game that he is at least aware of is, because I know that he is also a horror fan. Uh, The Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope is game number two of the Dark Pictures Anthology uh, sort of mini-series, which are annually released horror adventure games that uh, typically come out around Halloween, and Little Hope was the 2020 one of those. And uh, uh, Dark Pictures Anthology is made by Supermassive Games, which is a small to medium sized studio that was mostly comprised of the same team that uh, made until dawn several years ago. I, I want to say that was, oh shoot t- maybe 2017 or 2018 D- don't hold me to that. I uh, know
1: until dawn was 2015, 2016, I want to say because I was in college. I was in college
0: still. <laughs> All right, so earlier than I assumed. but uh, until dawn has a shared lineage with Little Hope for sure. and until dawn, uh, you and I attempted to play that for the podcast a couple of years ago, Peter, in 2019. Uh, and, I, and I always say attempted because I believe you finished it and we were able to have a good discussion o- about it. But uh, my version on my PS4 uh, crashed hard and I was unable to get past the first hour or so. But I think it was a problem with my disc of the game. U- unlike that, uh, uh, that mess, messy att- uh, podcast three years ago, you and I played Little Hope together uh via asymmetrical online multiplayer over the course of about a week in, at the end of January,
1: yeah for sure um and yeah i I do remember that podcast, and it was quite a lot of fun um and one of the things about until dawn that was so interesting about its success is that people sort of jerry rigged a multiplayer um way to play that where they would pass the controller back and forth um when different characters popped up. To um, make different decisions, and I think Supermassive Games caught on to that because they have since made um, shared story and movie night mode in there in the Dark Pictures games a built-in feature. So we were able to play this game online with asynchronous multiplayer, um, where each of us took control of different characters and made different decisions that affected the story, and it was a blast. This is, these games are very fun cooperative experiences.
0: Yeah, and uh, we can go into this a little bit more later, but I-, I think I would not have as much fun with this game without the multiplayer, because part of it, w- rolling it back a little bit, um, part of why Until Dawn was such a surprising runaway success uh, several years ago is because of the streaming community and mm-hmm. uh, people like uh, watching it via stream and watching probably reaction videos to Until Dawn. Because Until mm-hmm. Dawn is basically a, a-, a slasher movie-style horror adventure.
1: Oh yeah, this thing um, was made for the YouTube Let's Player slash Twitch streamer community. And I think yes. I think I I think I watched Markiplier's videos on it
0: back in the day. Um I, I didn't really watch uh I don't know if this is scandalous or not. I don't watch a lot of streaming at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I watch I watch plenty of content on YouTube, but I'm not really a uh, watch. But I don't really watch Let's Plays or follow any streamers, even though I'm friends with some streamers and sometimes just joy, hop into their <laughs> streams as a courtesy. But I, I don't really do a lot of um, video game uh, streaming activity at all. But it was very easy to see how Until Dawn was an ideal experience for streaming. Kind of like watching a horror movie with a group at at a, at a at a buddy's place. Like I think the experience is enhanced when you can sort of talk about it while you're watching it and react together with what's going on on screen. So it's, so that kind of horror game, especially one that's not incredibly long because like, again, uh, until dawn is probably eight hours and little hope is probably five hours. Like that is a, a pretty much an ideal shared viewing experience. So uh super, super massive or the, the group of people that eventually became super massive games, like saw what worked with the community around until dawn and made a very, very clear attempt to recreate that with dark pictures anthology and all of the dark pictures games, including little hope having, Uh, built-in options like that like you said for um online for online play and for movie night play which i which i think is basically local multiplayer uh yeah like like building it around those features makes all the sense in the world and uh very recently the uh the most recent dark pictures game uh uh, remind me what which which one is it Uh, house house of ashes yeah house of ashes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah house of ashes even has a mode where if one person buys the game they uh they can it basically comes with a guest pass so they can play online with one friend that doesn't even need to own the game which is which is nice because because you and i both had to own little hope to play it together which was fine i don't think either of us were bothered by that but having like extra accessibility for this multiplayer is is really cool i think we can agree
1: yeah no definitely it is um it is a really cool out of the box feature and i'm really glad that it's something that they're um they push so hard with these games um whether whether or not they've recreated the success of Until Dawn is debatable i don't um i don't have like hard data in front of me um about streaming numbers or sales figures or anything like that but thus far at least these games seem to have a respectable following um and uh i think a big part of that is because of that community aspect the fact that their people are able to jump in play with their friends um, or, you know, watch their favorite streamer go through it and make decisions and kind of ch- try to influence that. Um, it's just sort of built from that, from the ground up.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think this, any of these are quite as big as Until Dawn because yeah. as an outside observer, Until Dawn really, really caught fire uh, around, around when it came out. And uh, none of these uh, three successors really have. Um, yeah. And we should mention the, uh, Until Dawn is not part of the Dark Pictures series because even though even though it's mostly the same team it has a different publisher and they're they're probably not allowed to call them in the same series but there's a very obvious lineage both with the staff and how these games play Uh, yes
1: absolutely a lot of the mechanics are very similar um until dawn was a sony published game and it had that first party sony money to throw around the the three dark pictures games so far have been published by bandai namco um uh, they're a little more restrictive of what they can throw around, but I still think they do a pretty good job of what they have. Um,
0: yeah, and it's a uh, and Supermassive is it's not a tiny studio, they're uh they have over 200 employees and uh they're, they're based in the UK. And uh, these games look pretty good, so there there is effort going into the motion capture and the visuals and uh and the the smart elements of gameplay and mm-hmm. UI, like, like th- this is not a tiny little engine that could indie studio there, there's some mm-hmm. there there's some labor behind this
1: for sure Say so they also go to the trouble of having um at least one name actor in each one um uh until dawn back in the day had rami malik before he won his oscar
0: I, th- I think that might have even that might have even been before mr robot like i i don't know i, I don't know how much they spend on big name actors because it's you know there Post. there there are a few, but it's uh but I, I wouldn't call these games celebrity driven at all. N- nothing like uh oh n- nothing like having Elliot Page and and Willem Dafoe in that uh, in that last David Cage game.
1: Yeah, no, they're definitely like they put them on the box um for sure, but and and they have interviews with them, but it's not like a major uh the um uh, Man of Medan had Sean Ashmore from X Men, um, uh House of Ashes has Ashley Tisdale from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. And um, and High
0: School Musical, how dare! And High
1: School you? and High School Musical, I know. Zac um, Efron Erasure, how dare you! <laughs> um, Ted Bundy Erasure, um, <laughs> and and uh, uh little and little hope here has Will Poulter, who um was as as recently as that game came out, had just been in Midsummer, um, the Black Mirror um Bandersnatch episode, and from my childhood, the third Chronicles of Narnia movie.
0: God, the the fact that you're having Voyage of the Dawn Treader be part of your childhood, it makes me feel very old, Peter. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I think when I think I watched the first Narnia movie with my sister um, when I was in my early days of first being able to drive. I think I think we went to the movies together <laughs> to watch that. So, I was in fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Uh, and, and and you know those me me watching movies with my sister ended up her ended up with her writing about movies for an entertainment magazine so the, it it you know it's a circle of life
1: oh yeah it's all coming together <laughs>
0: this 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 is little hope not narnia not midsummer not not Mister Robot, not any of these.
1: <laughs> well, we, we do sort of have we do sort of have a um, an alternate world thing going on with the story, but we'll get into that later.
0: Yes, that's true. Um, they don't they do not step through a wardrobe into a magical world of witches and lions, but witches are involved. Let's just go right into the narrative of these and start and stop talking about the the situation around the game um, little hope is a horror adventure game that starts out with a slightly grisly scene or, you know, not slightly, a very grisly scene of, of a family somewhere in new England. And I want to say the 1980s uh, seemingly having a normal night in the house, but then a, a freak accident starts, the house catches fire and four of the five residents of the house, actually, no, no, five of the six residents of the house uh, perish horribly in that house fire. And with the only survivor being um, one of the teenage uh, children living there, um, and and that doesn't seem connected to the story at first, but it's, it's very connected later.
1: Yeah, no, it de- and it definitely sets a tone going forward. Like, because um, all all because uh, I feel like all of these games have a little prologue section, um, until dawn included, um, that sort of sets the, sto- the sets the stage for the story, um, and usually res- it involves characters dying horribly.
0: There's, there's plenty of dying horribly in this game in general, Mm -hmm. but,
1: but generally speaking, I don't think I, 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 this is, this is, this, this moment caught me off guard because I don't think you're going into this expecting something so mundane as a house fire, you know? Um, but also just like, this is like, this is a shockingly grisly and also kind of like, um, sort of hits close to home, honestly, like, oh yeah, well, God, this isn't, this isn't some supernatural entity. This is like a horrible accident.
0: It doesn't seem supernatural, but there is one resident of the house. Uh, the, the, the youngest girl. Um, oh shoot. I, I know it's not Mary. Me- they call they call her Megan in the past. Meghan, section. Yeah. Okay. So, so eight eighties, eighties is Megan listeners. That doesn't make sense. It will soon. I promise. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Megan seems to have an imaginary friend or seeing things that uh, the other people in the house aren't seeing. So they're, there might be something off with Megan, one of the uh, residents of the house in the eighties that dies. I don't, it, it might be the seventies, but I'm, I'm going to call that, that time period, the eighties, just to, to, just so we have a clear division here. But then, yeah. uh, but then after this house fire scene, fast forward to the, to, to the, let's say the 2010s. And uh, there's a group, there's a study group or maybe a small class uh, going on a field trip. Uh, in, uh you know, on a, on a bus. And it's the, uh, the, the the people on the field trip are five adults um that basically correspond to five of the people from the house fire they, they use the they use the same uh in, image and voice acting performers uh between the two between the two groups and it's uh it, it's two uh middle-aged adults and three late teens early 20s adults J- just like uh, just like five, everyone besides Megan in that uh, house fire scene from the beginning. And so mm-hmm. this is the second period we're working with, and we're going to call that the present. So we have the 80s and the present with five characters corresponding between each other between the two periods. We're going to stick to the character names in the present because I will get so confused if I try to remember every single name in this. Peter.
1: Uh, yeah, it's all good. Um, I think we're I think we're skipping over something though. We got to talk about the best character in the game, don't we?
0: Uh, oh, the curator. Uh, we we are skipping over him, but we will get to him very soon. I okay, for
1: sure. For yes, sure.
0: but but so the the five characters in the present are the professor John, who who has the same voice performer as the dad. Then the uh, the middle aged student Angela, corresponding to the mom, and then three young uh, younger people corresponding to the to the children from the house, uh, Daniel, Taylor, and Andrew. Yeah, Andrew being the the player character for most of the game. He's probably played
1: by Poulter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, If if, if the game has a main character, it's Andrew, but you really sort of switch between all five characters. But yeah, between this prologue and the present day with the eerie similarities between these uh, five characters, we do go step into sort of a library room, uh, which is shared between the different dark pictures anthology games and their mysterious uh, guide slash narrator, the curator who is just chewing scenery and being dark and weird and is, uh, and sort of almost gives you a persona three moment of your choice matters. You, the, the, these people's lives are in your hands kind of moment when he's lecturing you at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, yeah,
1: no, totally. Yeah. The curator who's played by a, a British actor named Pip Torrens, um, is, um, sort of a crypt keeper esque host of the dark pictures anthology series combined with, um, igor from uh the velvet room and uh and is just having the time of his life doing this like he's he's very fun delivering a lot of like you know mysterious cryptic dialogue and hints if the player should show so desire
0: and in between each of the game's acts which are i don't know maybe there's four or five of them uh, there will be sort of a break where it, it goes back to the curator and he comments on the choices you've made and what might happen in the next act. And it, it's, it's just great every time I always like seeing mm-hmm.
1: him. He even, um, and I, I didn't know this until we played together, but he even acknowledges um, returning players who've played the game before and right. new, and new players. If you're doing a co-op run, he has different dialogue for co-op runs. So when we were playing, he was like, Oh, I recognize one of you. Um, and things like that, which I thought was really interesting. I I I, uh, I I think it's really neat that they went to the trouble of giving him like responses for those different scenarios.
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- I mean, this game is nothing if not giving you different responses to different scenarios, because, again, mm-hmm. this is my first time playing and your second time playing. Um, but a lot can change depending on choices you make and actions you take. Uh, to to which degree different people lived and died between your first playthrough and our and our playthrough? That, that I'm I'm not making a mistake there, right? Like we you had you had different end game death scenarios for. for oh everyone. yeah, to-
1: yeah, totally. No, I've had um, I I've gotten the run where everyone survives at the end, and I've gotten runs where all but one character died
0: at the end. And um, uh, spoiler alert: when you and I played together, we had more than one survivor, but fewer than five survivors. That's
1: yes, sure. That's <laughs> <no true. laughs> Oh, man.
0: But anyway, so you're uh you're on this bus in this in presumably the same New England area where uh, the house fire took place. But your bus crashes and uh the, the bus driver is, has disappeared. But the but the five people in the in the from the class or the study group survive and their their goal immediately becomes that let's, let's find a place with a phone or a police station or something so we can get a ride out of here. And it, it, a lot of the game is just sort of wandering down a road looking for civilization. A, 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 a surprising amount of the game is that. But, mm-hmm. but uh, at different points, your characters will get separated so that you'll be in a group of two or three a lot of the time. Uh, and there will be you know j- j- dialogue and interactions between the different characters. and for uh, For a lot of these scenarios, whether it's all five people together in one place or uh, or separated in small groups, you were controlling one person and I was controlling a different person. And we often didn't even see all of the decisions the other player was making. Like at one very early scene, you go into a tavern where there's just one sort of sad dude sitting there uh, uh drinking alone. And I, I was controlling John and you were controlling one of the teenagers. And, and like I had this conversation with him and I, w- with the guy at the bar and could take a drink or not and could, uh and, uh, and the guy at the bar was reacting unusually. And I could hear, your dialogue in the background faintly and you were making decisions and stuff but i I didn't really know what was going on we were controlling Mm -hmm. individual character destinies without totally knowing what the other player was doing
1: yeah and i think that's a really fun aspect of this game is that the multiplayer is asynchronous and um they will put and they will often put you into the shoes of different characters and often have branching roots um there is a um, so some of the decisions, there will be points where the party splits up because that's always a good idea to do in horror movies. Um, and during that time, you'll be in entirely different locations um, and making different decisions that affect different players.
0: Yeah, we'll both be running or hiding from the same monster and we'll have we'll have different action moments, which, which are basically quick time events uh, to, to get away from the monster. Just, you know, speaking very in very vague terms. Mm-hmm. but it's it's totally asyn- asynchronous you're playing the same game but doing different actions and and the actions of both players contribute to uh, the the outcomes and I, I don't know how many times that re- uh, they had to get these actors to record certain actions and dialogue because there are so many different ways uh, things can go generally when you're making a, a, a dialogue tree thing you'll have two options and each option will have a different tone or something like like let's say mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel is talking to Taylor and trying to, you know, trying to get her to calm down and, and, uh, and, and and keep moving forward. One response might be comforting and the other response might be aggressive. And like this, so it it sort of labels every response with a tone that that's uh, referred to as a trait. And Mm -hmm. they don't tell the player this until the end of the game, I think, or, or, or or if a character dies, but certain traits are considered normal and certain traits are considered locked and uh, and some normal traits are that are unusually good or cooperative are called positive so but if you make too many locked trait responses uh basically the character gets unluckier and more negative and those action moments will be more challenging so if you have too many negative or bad responses and build up a a a, a bank of locked traits the game will get harder (laughs) yeah
1: which is an interesting way of soft of soft locking the difficulty um and they didn't they didn't actually add a straight up difficulty meter until um until house of ashes where they gave you like a bunch of different sensitivity options um this time though uh this time though yeah that's a really interesting way to go about it i actually didn't know that
0: yeah, I did, I did do a little bit of research on this because they don't really tell you that explicitly in the game, but if a character dies, it will tell you how many locked traits they had. I, I noticed that the first time we had a character death, like, it, uh, even though I think it, it, it was Taylor, I think even though we did unlock some positive traits for her, she had too many locked traits, and one of us failed a uh, failed a quick time event, which, which caused her corresponding um, monster to kill her. Because, again, it, uh, these main characters... Sort of each have one monster that's hunting them, that uh, mm-hmm. corresponds to them. But we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But I thought it was that was really interesting because I, I was early on in the game. I sort of thought of the character Angela, the the older woman, as sort of unpleasant. So I I kind of deliberately had her respond rudely a couple times without realizing <laughs> that, that that I was basically digging her own grave.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we basically out of out of this is getting ahead a bit. But yeah, out of nowhere, let's let's just say Angela did not make it through the night in little hope and her death sort of caught both of us off guard. Cause we thought we'd sort of cleared the conditions for her to survive, but <laughs> I didn't realize we had these hidden stats to worry about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, I wasn't, I I wasn't surprised to learn that re- responding negatively like uh, made the quick time events more frequent or more challenging. That, that sort of makes sense to me, but it didn't happen that way for Angela. It, it turns out you, we, uh, we, we passed her quick time events, like the parts where the ghost, where her monster was chasing her. But then at the very end of the game, evidently she had too many locked traits on her character sheet at the end game, which caused her to die unexpectedly at the end anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The more, you know,
0: so yeah, if you're pl- listeners, if you're playing this game and want everyone to survive, just have everyone respond as cooperatively and gently as possible and then and then try to complete all of the quick time event mini games and if, if you do both of those things i think everyone will survive but but i uh, there, there might be a couple other decision points like there, there's one there's one point where i think andrew and taylor are both being attacked by monsters and uh and and you're controlling dan no no it's daniel and taylor are both being attracted by monsters and you're controlling andrew and uh it uh it because Daniel has a knife he can fend off the monster himself and uh and, you, and and so Andrew has to rescue Taylor if you want all three of them to survive there's moments like that
1: and what's interesting about that is that's only if you if you, if if the player who is controlling them found the knife um earlier because there are hidden items in the game early and I know like this um you you at one point there's a point where you can find a gun
0: yeah, I was gonna ask um, you about this because um, I uh, I accidentally skipped the gun, but the the gun doesn't necessarily help you to tell. Uh, yeah, tell us about the gun.
1: Yeah, so the the thing is, is that so it's encourage, you're encouraged to ha- to find at least one weapon because it'll give you basically a free out against one of the monsters at some point. Um, uh, like in the situation we were describing with Daniel and Taylor. Um, However, there are also situations where having a weapon could actually be detrimental, and the gun is one of those moments because there is a scene where um, Angela gets separated from the party, and there is a scene where your party sees some... They're being hunted by the monsters, and they see something ahead shrouded in the fog, and you do have the option of pulling the gun, and it will do the little targeting reticle minigame that they do. If you shoot, you will kill Angela. Um, and that is something that I find very interesting is that sometimes they really play into, sometimes the best course of action is not to take an action. Um, there are dialogue options where there is no good answer and it's better to stay silent. There are, um, uh, quick time events that it is better to not engage with because you'll accidentally hurt or kill somebody, um, and the and whether or not you fu- you have the gun and fire at a certain NPC will actually drastically change the ending. and is actually I, again I won't get into I, I won't get into s- specific spoilers, but it is the only way for one character to die at the end of the game.
0: Right. So all these interacting systems you you have decision making like trying to reinforce good traits uh, and, and and not lock in bad traits. Um, having choose-your-own-adventure moments with specific decisions, and thoroughly exploring different areas, uh, and, and completing your quick-time event mini-games when you're being chased or grabbed by a monster—like there is a way to get everyone to survive with the best possible outcome, as long as you sort of do ninety percent of those things correctly. If you if you're playing this game specifically intending to save everyone, that that is doable. And the game isn't terribly long. Again, it's about five hours, and so and so like seeing different outcomes and different events by making different decisions is very possible. This game is replayable and probably and more fun in multiplayer. But it's uh, there is a way to get to win with the best out- outcome, uh, which again we did not do. But let's go back into the story a little bit. Uh, shortly after going through Little Hope, you uh, you know you, you go through a museum area and a visitor center area for the town. The town is is completely abandoned. The only other person you see other than our, fi- our five main characters is that guy you meet at the bar and, and four monsters. Um, And you uh, learn that uh, in this part of New England, there were witch trials several hundred years ago. So now we're in the third time of the game, the, the let's call them the witch trials. So we have the house burning down in the 80s, the, the people on the bus in the present, and then the witch trials in the probably 1700s. I don't remember the exact date, maybe, maybe late 1600s, but Mm -hmm. also the story that's playing out in the past has people that look just like you in the present and the eighties. And they they all share a name, share a letter at the first name. I I know that the, like Andrew in the, in the present was Anthony in the eighties and Abraham, in the witch trials, but and there, there's a situation like that for all five of the main characters.
1: Exact, I don't remember the exact names for all the characters, but um, Megan, the little girl from the 1980s, manifests as Mary, a little girl in the 1600s, who was basically going around accusing people of of witchcraft, um, and is sort of represented initially as an antagonistic force.
0: Right. It it looks like that the ghost of Mary or similar is basically forcing the people in the present to watch flashbacks to the witch trials. And uh the the people in the present uh, uh these flashbacks are shared. So usually two or three of them will be able to see the same scene from the witch trials every time you see one. And it's it's uh it, Mary is being manipulated by a uh, by a priest who's definitely a bad guy. And and she accuses uh four or five people of witchcraft which ends up in the, that at least the first four of them all being executed horribly uh, so i i I'm, I'm trying to remember um i'm gonna use the names from the people in the present day so like the, so the angela analog is drowned the taylor analog is either burned or hanged and that uh and and w- which one of those happens depends on uh on on how the 1980s uh Taylor uh, died in the in the house fire because uh, in our playthrough she got hanged accidentally so uh, so in the in the witch trials um, the 1600s Taylor was what uh, uh, was hanged then um, Daniel uh, falls off a house and is impaled on uh, on rail on uh, on fence posts or fence spikes and then uh, John is crushed under Bo- under Boulder's um, in a, in a form of torture that I believe was real to the time.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say some of these de- some of these deaths are screwed up and made even more screwed up by the fact that a lot of them actually are fairly historically accurate. We used to do some pretty screwed up things to people.
0: Yeah, and and it's not lost on the player that uh, those four deaths are similar to how the four people died in the house fire in the eighties. And it's uh it's not lost on the characters that these people from the six from the sixteen hundreds resemble them, and and they're all a little bit freaked out by it.
1: Yeah, and the monsters and the monsters seem to be coming after them in the order of the flashbacks. Angela's monster starts making an earnest appearance after we see her double in the past get killed.
0: Yeah, and it, basically these happen these happen one by one. With it. first Angela's monster, then uh, Taylor's and Daniel's around the same time, and then John after the first three. Uh, but the and and it, it looks like that the monsters are the corpses of the people from the witch trials like uh uh they they they, like god my the one that was maybe the creepiest to me was probably taylor's because she was hanged she like she's like floats above the ground but dragging her toes a little bit with this really uncomfortable dragging sound and uh with her neck bent at an odd angle and when she attacks taylor it's with a long tongue trying to strangle taylor all of Mm -hmm. that was way too creepy for me and um the the death scenes of which we saw a couple are really grisly. I don't want to go into details of all, about any of them really but they like i i don't want to pick a favorite or least favorite because they're just john's john
1: yeah no they are they are definitely they're they are very well animated and very gruesome john's um monster is probably the one that freaks me out the most because it has these kind of herky jerky jacob's ladder movements because its body's all bent out of shape from being crushed so it sort of scuttles on the ground like a spider and then just moves up to the player way too fast
0: And I I didn't I didn't see this, but uh, you told me and then I confirmed it later that uh, Taylor's monster is totally different. If she burns in the house instead of accidentally breaks her neck, they had to uh, animate a a, not only a hanged woman monster, but a burning woman monster. And so they like that. That's a surprising level of attention to detail. They they could have gotten away with just having one monster for Taylor, but they they gave you two and that that's that's impressive and also grisly because that means they had to animate, you know, an extra, uh, a death scene and an extra monster. And that that's a non-trivial amount of animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, they definitely put the effort in for sure. And I appreciate that. Um, in general, the creature design in this game is excellent and you can tell they put a lot of thought and care into making sure they lined up with the story kind of have that silent Hill esque symbolism going. Um, this game really wants to be silent Hill. Yes. Um, <laughs> like that that, I, that is not an unfair
0: comparison to make um the, the, the 2000s horror game influence is so strong here especially since there's a um there, there's flashlight driven gameplay that's a little bit like uh oh shoot what, what's the i'm I, i'm blanking but there there are a number of um, amnesia,
1: like like amnesia or like something like uh, just about every modern horror game yeah
0: I, I was thinking of. of like the flashlight and amnesia or the camera and fatal frame like like the, these are people that have a deep appreciation for both horror films and horror games of the 21st century like they, there's a lot of influence there here and there i think there was a rumor that um that supermassive pitched to konami their idea for a silent hill game that was rejected so so these people openly want to make a silent hill game, but instead are making these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's totally fair.
1: If Konami's not going to do it, grouse, grouse, right. Yeah.
0: Um, Konami's not in the business of making games anymore, which is, I think I've said on podcasts many times in, in 2022. <laughs> unless,
1: um, unless, the, unless they are terrible switch exclusive Yu-Gi-Oh games or pretty decent, um, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, card game simulators. But, um, I was going to say all three of the dark pictures games where their horror movie influences on their sleeve. Um, Man of Medan is very heavily influenced by Ghost Ship. And um, uh, House of Ashes is a mix-up of The Descent and Aliens. Um, which, um, yeah. So, you know, where are those influences on your sleeve, guys?
0: Uh, I would say Little, little Hope, especially because it's maybe, it's in, a, it's in a mysterious, foggy, small town with, uh, w- with monsters around, is the most Silent Hill of the three so far, I think is, is, is fair to say. Even though I, I'm not the biggest Silent Hill player. Yeah, no,
1: they definitely they definitely are. And I actually really like um one thing that they do here um is cuz of course your characters are shrouded in the fog. One of the um one of the story mechanics of Silent Hill is that the town doesn't let you leave. Um and in in Little Hope, they do actually sort of gamify it where they make a big to do about how the player the the characters will walk into the fog and then they'll wind up walking right back to where they came from because of some supernatural force. But if you turn around and walk into the fog, it will actually cause your character to keep walking forward until they wind up back at the point where they let where they came. And that is really
0: cool that that's a little detail. And, and th- this freaks out the characters in the game when they discover this pr- pretty early on. And after they get the first couple of flashbacks and the first couple of monster scenes, they sort of figure figure that they need to solve the mystery of the witch trial and keep going into uh, deeper into the town until it's uh, until they figure things out and uh, and depending on you know on your actions and your dialogue choices the characters can be uh, more or less agreeing with that or more or less like dissolving into panic and despair <laughs> but yeah but, but in in general the, the, they they get the idea to keep moving forward keep running from the monsters to figure out what's going on and uh eventually they learn more about the witch trials you get more flashbacks uh you're eventually chased by four monsters um they, they again there's a scene where uh Andrew has to choose between saving Daniel or Taylor. And uh, the only way to get all three of them to, to survive is to choose Taylor, have Daniel fight off the monster with the knife and, and both players um, uh, successfully complete every quick time event.
1: You actually have I, not to interrupt because you're, you are correct, but I think you actually can give Taylor the knife. Oh, um, if you make the other dialogue option in that thing. So it is possible for that to change. If you're not paying attention to who is controlling who, to who has to who has the knife at that point you could inadvertently screw yourself
0: maybe and again uh, listeners don't take what peter and i are saying as 100 percent true to a game facts guide or something because because again we we did not get the best o- outcome here and there, and uh
1: we are but casual observers but i i do think that does make a difference
0: there's a sequence of events like that uh, and, and and this happened to us twice where we thought we were in the clear But then a monster attacked again, and we and we made a mistake and ended up losing a character. Uh, This Mm -hmm. happened. I I forget which one of us killed which character, but oh, I killed Taylor. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. you made a mistake in Taylor's mini games and she died. And then a little a little bit later in the basement of the factory area, I made a mistake and 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 killed Daniel. (laughs) So, and and I think I think we probably had a mix of good and bad traits going into Taylor and Daniel by this time so that we were probably doing those mini games on medium difficulty but it was not it was not enough to save them uh so yeah so yeah taylor got her neck broken and daniel got stabbed by their corresponding monsters uh, but before we got to the to the uh area at the end but we did okay at the end um we did have john survive and escape the monster chasing him and then uh and the final area of the game was uh Uh, Andrew, John, and Angela exploring the burned-out house that was destroyed in the 1980s.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is the point of the game where the two timelines sort of converge. Because throughout the witch trial scenes, um, all the characters are definitely um, accusing that all the victims believe that Mary is responsible for their troubles, that Mary is the one going around accusing people of witchcraft. She's the little creepy ghost girl that jump scares you constantly. Um, So the game is sort of conditioning players to think that Mary is responsible for it. But as the curator points out, if you um, push him for hints, Mary's only is only a child. Mary is being abused by the priest um, in the, in the past and is sort of lashing out and accusing people of these trials in a, because she is scared and confused and honestly deeply regrets what happens to the people. So during the end of the game, you are presented with sort of a final series of choices where you have to sort of pin you have to sort of pin it on the priest. Um, you're basically guiding Andrew's double from the past through a series of dialogue options to try and um, convince the court that no, Mary is actually innocent carvers, the villain, which, which can have a number of different outcomes that affect both the past and the present characters.
0: Right. And as we were playing the game, the feeling I was getting, which is, I don't know, maybe it's the intended one. Maybe it's not. Is that these monsters uh, are the victims of the witch trial. The ghost of Mary is trying to direct the player to the truth so they can learned that carver the priest carver is the villain not mary the uh maybe to maybe to bring just maybe to bring justice to mary until and so the so the monsters realize who truly killed them and i also thought maybe because the monsters were going after their corresponding doubles that uh maybe they were trying to kill their double so their double could replace them. Like maybe the, Andrew's monster would be could finally go to rest if he killed Andrew the same way he died. Like, like I was thinking, yeah, I was trying to make connections like that. And but I think the uh, the intention was the, it's the ghost of Mary trying to teach the modern day uh, characters about what really happened in the witch trials. Like the, the, it's it's a combination of those forces at work here. But in the final area, where we only had you know three of the five survivors. They the game tells you that it's not over yet because if you look out certain windows or explore certain areas, you see uh, the monsters of the surviving characters hanging out. Like like if you look out a window, uh, as Angela, she'll look out the window and then. And, and then go back into the house, but then the player will see Angela's drowned woman monster st- stalking her, sort of. So, like, mm-hmm. the, the game tells you that the monsters are still around even though you, you think the danger has passed, or the, cl- the, the main characters in the house in the present day think the danger has passed. And that, that final dialogue situation that you described I think only can happen if Andrew has enough good traits and you make the right decisions to accuse the, to accuse Priest Carver instead of accusing Mary in, in the final mm-hmm. flashback.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and and there there are also options where you can. Uh, Mary does have a death animation if you accuse her, if you if you try to pin it on her, um, and she will get burned as a witch, um, which is definitely the worst outcome. There is I've seen another outcome where um don't you you save Mary but you don't really successfully pin it on Carver and the whole building goes up in flames so everyone in the past burns to death. Um, there is uh, so there's definitely a few different variations of that.
0: And we managed to get the good variation. Like, like we did, uh, we had Andrew's decision, decisions be mostly good ones. We talked to the judge and said, "Hey, uh, uh, hey, we think it's the priest. We think he's abusing her." And then the judge, like, uh, f- sees satanic markings on, uh, uh, on on the priest's book. So, like, we successfully pinned the witch trial murders on the priest. So we got at least one good outcome in the, in mm-hmm. for far end game scenario. But then uh, basically it goes back to the house and dawn breaks and all three pe- people that we had surviving, uh, Angela, John, and Andrew. Oh, we didn't, we didn't have Angela. No, so. no, I, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> like we thought we were in the clear and they like, and like they relaxed and stepped out of the house, but then Angela's monster, like dragged her and and we got her kill animation horribly which was when we realized that yeah. oh we, we, like we made Angela too unpleasant earlier in the game so she had too many bad traits and didn't make it to the end but mm-hmm. uh be, but because we we had a good outcome with the final decision Andrew survived and because we had both good traits and good mini games uh for John he survived so uh, we ended up with only two survivors out of 5 mm-hmm. Andrew and John and then then the the twist ending happens, and before we talk about that in, in detail, and I'll have you go over that, Peter. I, I knew mm-hmm. about this game having a, fi- a final twist uh, from it being discussed in podcasts, from like Game of the Year 2020 stuff over a year ago, and my um, memory of that wasn't perfect. Like I, what I knew about this game going in was the bus driver is alive and is behind everything. Was, was what I re- remembered from hearing discussions about this game. But that's not exactly true. Uh, Peter, tell me the twist ending that happens right after everyone steps out of the house and is determined to be safe, which were, for us was mm-hmm. just Andrew and John, but can be between one and five people.
1: <laughs> so so throughout the game, um, the party is, is looking for their missing bus driver um, who uh, mysteriously vanished after the bus crashed. As the game progresses, you'll encounter the the NPC who's drinking alone at the bar, Vince, who is reacting strangely to a lot of your dialogue options. Um, And the twist ending, you discover that Andrew, the main character, is the bus driver. And the bus driver slash Andrew is actually Anthony the teenager from the 1980s and the sole survivor of the house fire.
0: And at this reveal, at, at this reveal, it, it sort of zooms in on Andrew, but he's not a 20 year old kid anymore. He's a, he's a man in his forties,
1: man in his forties. And the other characters in the party vanish because what is actually happening is that he took a bump on the head during the bus crash. The other characters are manifestations of his dead um, family Combined with the sort of history of the town he grew up in, recreating essentially the trauma he went through um, and, manif- and, and his survivor's guilt, getting to save Mary is actually him trying to make up for the fact that he couldn't save his little sister Megan um, in the house fire who if you read between the lines in the story was also being abused by a priest and was acting out. And there was, everyone was all concerned about her, but it wasn't her fault. She was acting the way that she did. She's a scared little kid who doesn't know better this And, and, and all the monsters, all of that are actually representations of the way that the family died in the eighties. This ending is very controversial really. And, and, and whether or not it cheapens the experience that came before personally speaking i actually kind of like this twist i think um playing through the game again and looking at all the details and clues that they set up as well as um there's definitely a theme of um, literal ghost towns in this in this game you end up finding a lot of information about like factories that shut down and economic situations that cause people to leave and um how this town is literally abandoned and forgotten even though for a lot of people it was where their lives were destroyed. And I think that those themes combined with the themes of survivor's guilt and trauma make this, I think a more, a, a more um, emotional story than I was expecting going in. Um, so personally speaking, I was actually kind of a fan of the ending and, and this is the point where I, I should point out um, that if you found the gun and you made enough negative traits um, that is the only way for Andrew slash Anthony to die at the end is they will just straight up shoot themselves.
0: Yeah, but we avoided that because, uh, um, uh, we, we I think we basically made good decisions with Andrew. Mm-hmm.
1: It's possible for you to shoot at Vince and for him to become very antagonistic towards you. Yeah, <laughs> um.
0: I, I think in our playthrough, Vince was a little confused by us and maybe a little bit felt sorry for us, but he was he wasn't really. He wasn't he, he didn't act horribly to us, but I think with different dialogue decisions, that is possible. And in, in general, um, I think what happened was because Anthony slash Andrew grew up in Little Hope, he knew about the time about the town's witch trials. So I think that the witch trials themselves did happen in the world in, in this game. But the specific mm-hmm. flashbacks and everyone resembling his family was definitely a product of Andrew's mind. Or, or anthony's yeah. mind so so it's like him knowing about the witch trials and his family dying and him hallucinating most of the events of the game is sort of all part of the same concoction and and it is not and instead of it all being uh fictional or all being real but but there are no but the monsters attacking you were completely figments of of anthony's imagination and in the moment i thought actually i didn't mind the twist and and basically and basically like the idea of these monsters and this harrowing ordeal being a man like, like struggling with, uh, with, with his guilt and, and confronting his trauma and may, and with the implication that if you save everyone and the out, the final outcome of the game is as positive as possible of him really, really getting over it. And, 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 uh, but in this, in, in, in our scenario, he basically saved his father and no one else. But the, uh, after thinking about it, I, I do think, Maybe not as negatively as as the community, but I did think that it was cheapened a little bit. Like I I uh, yeah, I was sure. a, I was a little bit invested in fending away the monsters and learning about the witch trial, and not necessarily changing history. Because I don't I mean even though the the hallucinations from the past do see you interacting with them and handle it with you know probably more grace under pressure than I than I would assume from of someone from the 1600s. But uh, like I was a little bit invested in in solving that mystery and pinning it on the priest instead of Mary. Like I I thought that was a pretty good conceit for a horror game or a horror story. And, and the fact that it, that none of it was real felt less fun or interesting to me than, than there actually being some kind of supernatural force present. And I should mention Peter, um, Hmm. I I really enjoyed playing this with you. I I did. I, uh, like I was, you, you heard me commenting the whole time, like, uh, uh about like 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 me liking or disliking certain characters remarking that uh d- the the character actor for daniel in the game kind of resembles me and that's a little eerie yeah
1: um, it was sending me the whole time
0: <laughs> i think is most of the time daniel is wearing a, a red polo shirt and i on un- no, not joking at all own at least two red polo shirts that look almost just like that and like like talking through it together and playing it together. I had a genuinely good time with this game and made it made me interested in the other games in the series and I genu- and I really think I'm going to go back and try to fix my copy of Until Dawn and play that. But also I almost never play horror games or even watch horror films. You know what I like to do more than watch horror films, Peter? I like going into Wikipedia and reading synopses of war horror films so I get all the fun of the twist without having to sit through a horror film because part of it is is that I'm a giant baby and genuinely don't like being uh, being scared intentionally but also I uh, I appreciate that horror movies I guess f- games also but films more specifically uh, can take really weird risks and make wild choices that would not make sense in any other genre so I, I, I appreciate that but I, I would rather just read a horror movie synopsis and actually watch one which which maybe indicates how few horror video games i've played it's a very short number and, and even <laughs> shorter, an even shorter an even shorter number that i've actually finished but because this game had multiplayer and we could uh and the way it was structured um i i i basically there there was there was challenge and a and a a fight to survive without being being chased by zombies with two bullets in your gun kind of vibe like like that's not a experience i seek out because of the kind of game this was and because it had multiplayer and we could play it together i i did enjoy this and and it was not a, it was not a chore to go from start to finish on this one but that's not the case with me in horror games in general so i i appreciate mm-hmm. you doing this with me and i you know i'm glad we at least got to have one player survive one at least one out of the five survive i, I would have been a little bummed if everyone died <laughs>
1: yeah for sure it's um and yeah i think i'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it i'm glad you had that experience because i really enjoy playing it too i think in general i I do like horror movies a lot and horror media although i'm not super big on like survival horror games because i'm not very um action oriented a lot of the time uh what but in turn but a lot of that especially with horror films i think is always best experienced with other people um Because uh, you get that sort of communal experience. It sort of deflects some of the uh, attention. Um, uh, I I like watching movies like I went to like the midnight release for um, for Jordan Peele's us and that was one of the most fun movie experiences I've had in my life because everyone who is there is on the same page. Um, and, uh, that, and, and that's, and that's, and that's one of the things where like, I think the, the conceit of these games, having these built-in multiplayer features is brilliant because it helps you recreate that sort of midnight horror movie showing experience with, with a buddy.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and I, I guess I should also mention probably my favorite horror movie experience I've ever had in my entire life was when I watched get out with some friends and, uh-huh. uh, and in the theater, People were like, were, were, were yelling at the main characters, do this, don't do that. Don't trust her. They were agreeing with every single thing Rod said, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, where Rod is his best friend. Yeah, on the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like and and like being part of that crowd, like reacting at, at the right moments and uh, and, you know, <laughs> and and basically supporting the audience insert character was about as the best mm-hmm. way I could imagine to experience that movie, which is which is a great movie. But yeah, uh, but like recreating that kind of horror movie experience with a game that is very, very inspired by classic horror movies and games is 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 ideal. And I don't think this game is a 10 out of 10. It is uh, again, it's only but it's it's very digestible. It's only five hours. And they were they make it at least for the past two years. They've released one of these every year around Halloween. And I think it's it's just a great time to get this game and play it with friends or to get, to get the new version, the new dark pictures game every year and play it with friends and just sort of experience together. That's that is a fun experience, even though this is not necessarily making me go out and buy every single horror game like it. It had me, pick up Man of Medan on sale and that, and, and, and make me pledge to try until dawn again. And that's about it.
1: <laughs> hey, no, that's totally fair. And I mean, like those, those games are excellent. And uh, so, yeah, and I'll definitely, I'm, if you're down to play Man of Medan sometime, I'll definitely re-download that at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about the next game in this series, the devil and me, um, the, uh, which I'll probably be reviewing for the site, just to run that out there, cause I've reviewed <laughs> the other three. So continuity is nice, but, um, uh, the uh, what's they, they are pitching the dark pictures as two seasons of four games each. and I'll be curious to see if that second season ever materializes after this because again, I don't really know sales figures or twitch numbers or any of that stuff. Um, so it'll be just be curious to see whether or not they are going whether they're gonna have the same publisher for season two or if they're they're already started on it or what.
0: Yeah, I, I would like to know how successful these are, because if it is a money, if it is a money maker and doing well, I, I would I would find that encouraging because, again, this is not a kind of game I seek out a lot. I'm not I don't play very many horror things at all. I, I, I want this kind of game to exist so people that love these games will be able to play them because I, mm-hmm. I can I can totally feel that But th- th- this game is a. Seven or eight out of 10 that I think, you know, you, you would bump up a couple points with multiplayer is, is if I had to reduce, yeah. reduce it to a statistic, which is always unfair, but is what people pay attention to the most. Anyway, the struggle, sure. the struggle of game review. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, I hope these games are good and I hope they make another season because it's a, it's a cool kind of game. Yeah,
1: definitely. It's a very cool concept. And I hope, I hope too. I don't know if this is the part of the annual release thing they've been doing. I think House of Ashes was definitely more polished than the first two. Um, but I have had some weird technical issues with um, the first two games in this series. And we even ran into an issue where, in our multiplayer mode, where it just sort of hung on a loading screen after the final decision. Um, because one of us had packet loss. Um, like, we lost connection for a second. Which meant we had to, like replay
0: a small chunk of the game to get back to where we were yeah we had to replay one of the ending scenes a couple times uh and we we got there eventually but these games aren't exactly like you know like insomniacs ratchet and clank running like a swiss watch all the time uh Mm -hmm. but 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 it ran well enough and we only i think we only had the connection or technical hiccup the one time um so so it's far from a deal breaker but you know there are technical issues present i think is fair yeah, for sure. But uh, despite technical issues and despite my often aversion to horror, I had a great time with this and uh, and it was really a great time talking to you about this game, Peter. Thank you so much for suggesting this episode idea and then us executing on that idea uh, for uh, I, th- I think it was only two sittings. We We beat this basically in two weekends in January. Yeah, for sure. It was not time wasted at all, and uh, listeners, I hope this podcast was not time wasted at all for you. Uh, we, we, again, I don't want this episode to be almost as long as the game itself, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna call it a day for now. Um, thank you for listening to us uh, share our experience of the Dark Pictures Anthology, Little Hope, with you. I hope this makes I hope this makes you slightly more interested in the game or other games in the series. That would that would be a, a, the best possible outcome for this story. But uh, let's talk about the other stories we will be sharing for the next month and a half or so of Retro Encounter. Um, next week, we're doing our first episode on Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I am in the middle of that game right now. I uh, Maybe by the time this episode goes up, I'll be done. But uh, I, I'm having a great time with 2003 BioWare, even though it, it is uh, my, my BioWare experience only goes back as far as Jade Empire until now. So this is my first time playing Knights of the Old Republic. I'm having a good time at least that first episode is going to be positively tinged. uh, I can tell you right now, but uh, so we are the next two episodes of retro encounter will be about star Wars Knights of the old Republic. I think we can skip ahead to what we're playing in March. Um, march madness takes over the college basketball world every year but here at rpg fan we are going to have some metro metroidvania madness Uh, we are playing three (laughs) metroidvania games in march there will be a different panel for each for each episode um one episode on castlevania aria of sorrow that's the uh that's the vania part of Metroidvania. Then one episode on Super Metroid for the Metroid part of Metroidvania. That is a game that RPG fan does not cover. But we thought if there was ever a time to play a Metroid game for the podcast, it would be during Metroidvania month. And for the uh, the third episode of Metroidvania month, we decided to uh, choose between a couple indie Metroidvania games because indie Metroidvania was a big trend of the 2010s, and we landed on Salt and Sanctuary. So we are going to play Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, Super Metroid, and Salt and Sanctuary in March, each of those games getting a dedicated episode. But uh, listeners, if you want to talk to us about Metroidvania games or horror adventure games or any games at all that could be played on the podcast, the best way to reach out to us is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also follow RPG Fans' message board towards that are basically dead. Our Facebook page, which is surprisingly poppin', and our Discord, Twitch channel, uh, Twitter account, all of those equally popping. Uh, please interact with RPG Fan however you choose. Uh, and you, you could also interact with us by listening to our other podcasts. There's Random Encounter every two weeks, usually Mondays, about randomness. Rhythm Encounter every other, other two weeks, uh, usually Mondays, usually about RPG music. And also Phoenix Edge, currently on hi- hiatus, but coming back in 2022, usually about RPGs and current. Current events. Um, you can listen to those three podcasts or Rant Retro Encounter on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, however you choose. Please leave feedback. We love feedback. We also love you feeding back to us. Is that? Mm, that's, that sounds weird. Uh, giving us feedback individually. Uh, Peter, how can listeners find you? Um, as always, and as previously
1: foreshadowed, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. You can also email me, petert at rpgfan.com.
0: And in a surprise twist that no one was expecting, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at TheRealMonsoon most of the time, at evoca for Dogs other times. You can also find me on RPG fans Discord as Monsoon mike. So, Peter, I'm glad that the two of us uh, survived to the end of the episode, even if my doppelganger didn't.
1: Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good experience. I'm glad. Thank you for having me.
0: And listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck.